Hello and welcome to the Local Myth Story and Podcast with me, Eli Lewis Lysett. This is a place where we look at the curious histories of Cheshire, Derbyshire and Staffordshire. And this time we're in Cheshire's Peak Border region and a corner of the county that's become synonymous with strange occurrences and curios. Specifically the manner of John Turner's death in the 1700s and the creation of a place called Jenkin Chapel. It's a place of history and mystery. But I believe when we dig a little further into the historical record and put some context around events in this landscape, we can start to unravel those mysteries a little more than before. John Turner was likely considered something of a novelty amongst the people of Saltersford in the early 18th century. Beyond the occasional trip into the nearby town of Macclesfield, the vast majority of those living in the community would venture little further than the settlements that were dotted about the Pennine slopes around them, and they would live, work and die within a few miles of the place they were born, finding love and all of life's trials within that locality. By comparison, Turner was an adventurer. As a jagger, working the trade routes of Derbyshire and Cheshire with his team of pack horses, Turner would transport salt from one place to the next and provide a vital link to rural populations right across the countryside. His name would have been known by more people outside of his local community than within it. Naturally, in that line of work, he was fit and rugged and at 29 years old, already well-versed in navigating all manner of terrain and weather in a landscape he had come to know intimately. Yet legend tells us how come Christmas Eve 1735... All of that experience and nous counted for nothing. Upon returning from business in Northwich, an area of rich salt production since before the Roman conquest, and barely a mile from his home at Saltersford Hall Farm, John became lost amongst heavy snowfall. The search party that set out on Christmas morning to find him found his horses first, still alive if in bad shape, strewn out along Irwin Lane. For John himself, though, it was too late. The jagger was dead, frozen beneath the drifts. The print of a single woman's shoe pressed into the snow at his side. Just two years before Turner's death, a country chapel had been hurriedly erected just a stone's throw from his home at the farm. Yet Turner would not be buried there. He couldn't, because the chapel had not been recognised by the church authorities. It was not consecrated and nor would it be for another 60 years. There are spots located in every county of Britain that until relatively recently had remained untouched by modernity. These are the places where local traditions, customs and beliefs have lingered on far longer than in the towns and the larger villages particularly where the auspices of industrialisation have seen fit to leave it comparatively late before arriving on the scene. The hamlet of Saltersford is one such place. Taking its name from its location at the meeting point of several ancient salt routes, Salters Ford, its setting amongst the Peak District foothills at the eastern edge of Raynow Parish near Macclesfield serves to make it isolated even today. It's a place that fills local history books and ghost books with legends, and curiosities, and it's with good reason. There is a stone still to this day at the spot where John Turner was found, 
and his death in the snow that Christmas morning and the matter of that single woman's footprint that was found at his side is inscribed on it. And that chapel we mentioned, Jenkin Chapel, the building of which was led by a local yeoman by the name of John Slack, is curious for several reasons. Firstly, its appearance. It looks like a cottage built in the style that the local builders were used to maintaining for their own houses and farms. But more curious still is the fact that it's built smack bang on a crossroads. Crossroads being places that throughout history are best to be avoided. It's at crossroads where people would have been hanged and it's at crossroads where the bodies of those who've been murdered or committed suicide would be buried in the hope that should they rise again from the grave, they'd be confused and not be able to wander back into the villages that they come from to torment the living. The history of Jenkin Chapel is unlike anything else I've come across when we look at local chapels and churches. In the early 1700s, seemingly out of nowhere, this group of local farmers got together and built the place themselves. They paid for it themselves. And although their religious lives had been tended by the parish of Presbury, a short distance away, this place seems to have been built with a certain urgency, as though they and their families felt this area needed some connection to God. John Turner's mysterious death coming just a few years later that rattled the community again, and partly because of the strange nature of his end, then went on to fill the local community with all kinds of rumours of strange folkloric creatures wandering abroad in the night. This is a landscape of legends, but it's also a landscape of tragic events, and perhaps part of the inspiration for needing that chapel to be built at their own hand was the events that took place in Raynau, the parish in which Saltersford is set, just a hundred years before. By the 1600s, witch hysteria had long since become established as a national obsession. And I've touched on it in other subjects in this podcast series and in my book as well. And during the period, there were 500 people formally tried for acts relating to witchcraft across England. 112 of those would have been hanged too. But actually, these are relatively small but terrible numbers. 112 in the whole of England. So to have two of those come from this tiny Cheshire parish, well, that would have been quite the story. But sadly for Raynau women, Alan Beach and Anne Osbelston, that's precisely the case. The following accounts of their actions are taken from the records of Chester Michaelmas Assizes in September 1656, a session at which they were both tried and convicted before being subsequently hanged on October the 8th in Chester. Alan, wife of John Beach, late of Raynau in Cheshire, Collier, on the 12th of September 1651, and on diverse other days as well before as after, at Raynau, did exercise and practice the invocation and conjuration of evil and wicked spirits, with which she consulted, entertained and rewarded. On the said 12th of September, the said Alan Beach did exercise certain witchcrafts upon Elizabeth Coper, late of Raynau, spinster, whereby she, from the twelfth day to the twentieth, did languish, and on the twentieth died. So that's Alan Beach from Raynau. Regarding Anne Osbelston, Alan's neighbour, 
The account states a considerable number of charges relating to her alleged involvement with witchcraft. Anne Osbelston, on that same 12th of September, practised certain wicked and devilish acts upon John Steenson, husbandman, which caused his death on the 20th of September. And on the 30th of November, 1651, Anne used enchantments upon Anthony Booth of Macclesfield, a gentleman, causing his death on the 1st April following. Two more entries are mentioned for Anne. That a Barbara Pot was cursed on the 20th of November, 1651, and that four years later, on the 17th of July, 1655, she practised sorceries on John Pot, a yeoman of Raynow. It's often stated that those accused of witchcraft were little more than the folk of a community most considered to be odd, and as such, tailor-made scapegoats for any ills that may befall others around them. This may well have been true, but for the people of Raynow and Saltersford, such a formal acknowledgement of witchcraft being an active force in their community would have been viewed in very literal terms. It would be the defining moment of their religious lives. Memories would have lingered, casting their shadows long into the time of John Slack and his fellow builders, something illustrated particularly well by the fact that chapel trustee Edmund Pott was a direct descendant of the aforementioned Barbara Pott, victim, supposed victim, of the hanged Anne Osbelston. Memories of the Raynaud witches and their alleged acts would have naturally given rise to the spectre of devilry. Each and every time the difficulties of life made themselves apparent in the local community. And so, the events surrounding the Raynaud witches really give us a strong tether in the earth and on the timeline when we consider the mystery of why Jenkin Chapel was built. A place paid for by locals, unconsecrated by the church, and plonked smack bang on top of a crossroads. But the idea that supernatural forces were present in the communities around Raynau and Saltersford was nothing new to the people living there. It's entirely probable that the scattering of families living on the peak slopes of East Cheshire at the time of the chapel's construction had been working the same land for hundreds of years. And it's from the local history of their forebearers that we can see connections to earlier, more elemental terrors associated with the local landscape. It's in the details of the earliest recorded dwelling of those families, first appearing on record in the year 1384, that we find our key to a far deeper understanding of the area as a whole. The house had a particularly unusual name, known as Thursbitch. First noted by the Professor Ralph Elliott of the Australian National University when in conversation with the author Alan Garner in the early 1970s, the Professor proposed that the eventuality of such an unusual name was in fact due to its conversion from Old English. Thurs is in fact Pers, a word that most closely translates to modern English as monster or demon. Bitch is in fact Biatch, meaning it is a word for dwelling. Thur's bitch, therefore, translates quite literally to the dwelling of the demon. So it's from these deep roots, understood by locals, if not recorded by academia, that have been ever present on a generational basis for those families growing up on the slopes of the Pennines in East Cheshire. And upon its completion in 1733, Jenkin Chapel was proclaimed in dedication of St. John the Baptist. 
as noted in the stone above its entrance, and something that in light of the connotations regarding the history of the area feels particularly poignant. The figure of John the Baptist is believed by biblical scholars to have likely belonged to a pre-Christian Jewish sect. He was the man who baptised Jesus himself and was associated with operating out in the wilderness. Not only would a chapel in his honour feel fitting when placed into the idea of a community effectively looking to be reborn in a world free from the darker matters that seem to surround them, but there are a number of other relevant associations built into the creation of the chapel too. The inscription above the door dates its completion to the 24th of June 1733, the actual day of the Feast of John the Baptist. And inside, although sparsely adorned, there's to be found a carving of an acorn on the rise that leads to the pulpit. And as John the Baptist is often seen in association with the Green Man, a figure wildly found to be used to connect the ancient pagan woodland world with that of the newly converted Christian one, it almost feels deliberate to place that acorn there in symbolism. Perhaps most revealing of all, however, is that following its completion, the chapel had to wait another 60 years before formal church consecration was granted. And yet the first burials are recorded well within that period. It's something that leads to the observation of an uncomfortable fact. Those bodies were buried deliberately in unconsecrated ground. We know that in the year 1794, Jenkins Chapel finally got its official consecration but only, it seems, with a condition attached. There will be no more reference to John the Baptist. Instead, Jenkins Chapel will be known as St. John the Evangelist, in dedication to the man so named because he was determined to spread the word of Jesus to the heathen peoples of the world. Jenkins Chapel is a wonderful place to visit. And that surrounding landscape, even to this day, has the ability to make you feel like you're not alone. I'm not saying that's a good thing when you're up there, on a stormy afternoon. But these things throughout history don't just happen. Chapels don't just get built. There's a reason. There's a need. It's a huge undertaking, especially when you're paying for it yourself. Deaths don't just get commemorated by the roadside, by the lane side, in stone. Houses don't just get recorded in old English names. But all this happened in the same place. And I feel hopefully through the research I've shown here, if not completely, we can start to get a feel for why some of that took place. These things belong to a time when those old traditions and superstitions were still hanging heavy over communities like those in Raynau and Saltersford. And to those people, the work of the devil was considered as real a contention as feeding their families every day. It's not perhaps without good reason, therefore, that John Slack and his fellow farmers took the issue of protection into their own hands. With the creation of a sanctuary in Jenkins Chapel, the safety of their souls would have been one step closer, and ultimately their best defence against those wicked forces which had seemed so intent on pestering their lives. You can read my full investigative piece on Jenkins Chapel in my book, Mythstoric Origins, which is available via Amazon and on my website, thelocalmythstorian.com. Sign up on the website for the newsletter. You'll also get access to the members' library, which is full of stuff to do with the extraordinary local histories of Cheshire, Derbyshire and Staffordshire. It's been a real pleasure. Until next time.